Hi, this is Donna Valentino. Welcome to Kick It With Donna. Are you ready to get real? Let's talk. Hi, everyone. Welcome back to Kick It With Donna. Today is a special podcast, and I I talked about it last week, but once a month, I want to do a podcast called From the Heart. And the whole purpose of the podcast is to have someone give their personal story of something that they survived, a traumatic event or an obstacle that they overcame, which this one kind of is a kind of a both. It's like a double whammy. But my special guest today is Jimmy Innes. Did I say that correct? Yes, ma'am. All right. Just making sure. And Jimmy and I know each other from BIND, which is Brain Injury Network of Dallas. I know I've mentioned it before in the past. And they take care of people who have had a stroke or a brain injury, a TBI, um, aneurysm, to pretty much cover it. There's a whole bunch of, yeah, whatever head injury that you have. And they spend time doing the hard work of helping people get back into life and doing tasks that they may have forgotten or just need some help with refreshing their memory. Does that sound about right? Yes, ma'am. Okay. So Jimmy has a story to tell, and I'm going to just ask him some questions so that he can give you an idea of what it is that he has survived. And thank you for doing this with me today, Jimmy. This is Thank cool. you, Donna. Okay. So tell everyone, is, did you have a TBI? What, what exactly happened to you and when? I was running across the street in Boston, Massachusetts on midnight, May 9th to the 10th, Sunday, May 9th to the 10th of uh, 1992. So I'm over 26 years post-traumatic brain injury. I was hit by a car when I was running across the street. And from the outside, my head shattered and and eliminated most of the windshield. And um, I was thrown from the car. That's when I sustained the traumatic brain injury. Then I was taken to Brigham and Women's Hospital, which is Harvard's medical school in Boston, Massachusetts. And uh, they saved my life. I was there within 10 minutes. They chemically induced my coma, and I was in a coma for two months after that. Wow. Okay, so I'm going to ask a question. You, you probably don't remember any of this, do you? Do you remember the accident at all? No, ma'am. No? No, I don't. I work at uh, Medical City Plano. We had met previously. I met you when, after you had written Headstrong. I got a chance to meet you then. Okay. And then um, about two years ago, I started volunteering at Medical City Plano. Being 100% disabled from my traumatic brain injury, I can do volunteer work anywhere. So I, there's myself and 16 uh, medical students. The head of volunteer services told me that as medical students, they needed the volunteer work to graduate from medical school, so I had to take whatever was left. I told Billy O'Brien, head of volunteer services at uh, Medical City Plano, that I wanted to talk to family members of people who've had a traumatic brain injury to try and dispel any of the bad advice or things that had changed since I had my traumatic brain injury and my parents were told in 1992. I, I'm with you on that. I, I, I remember that with mine as well. They told my family that I may never walk again, may never talk again, and yeah, it was it wasn't exactly um, good news that they were bringing to the family. Mm-hmm. So the fact that you're sitting here speaking and are able to volunteer and give back is just freaking amazing to me. I, I I I love the fact that you do this, and I don't know 
I'm just gonna I'm gonna backtrack just a, a second. After your injury, so you were in a coma for two months. Where did you do rehab after that? At Brunswick Hospital in Amityville, New York. Okay, how long were you there? Two months. Okay. And I, the first thing I remember is in the hospital ride from Boston, Massachusetts to Amityville, New York, which is on Long Island. My mother was in there, and then things go in and out. Mm -hmm. That was when I was coming out of the coma. I can remember getting into my hospital room in Amityville, New York, and I got out of the um, restraints and stepped onto the floor. I had no idea what had happened to me. It's not like, as you remember, no, it's you not like, remember. no, it's, it's not like in the movies where someone comes out of a coma and they say, how long have I been out? I had oh, no well, idea. isn't that a it's such a crock. It is a crock, <laughs> It is right. a crock, yeah. I don't, I don't remember any of that. Okay. And then, um, I don't, rem I don't remember any time I was in the coma. I remember barely when I was coming out of it, as you did too, when I walk again, talk again, all the things that all of us have to learn how to do, all the things that people take for granted. The one thing I tell the people at the Medical C. Plano is, you don't know what's going to be lost. Nothing. That's true. Nothing. I, I mean, I can talk. I, I studied German language and literature. I still am fluent in German. I've gone to Switzerland on my own and I spoke in German. So, um, subsequent to the traumatic brain injury. So that wasn't lost. The three and a half years previous to my accident, that's gone. That memory's gone. And um, just to say real quick, I know one one fellow who, um, he lost his peripheral vision. It's just, I mean, nothing. If it's not directly in front of him, he can't see it. But these are things you don't, I'll tell the people, don't, just don't be surprised if, if they've lost something when they come out of the coma, because you don't know these things until mm. after they're out of the coma. That's and true. We both know people who have injured and um, their body can't regulate temperatures in certain parts, like their head, things like that. We both know, uh, we know a lot of the same people have had just horrendous injuries. And in, well, any, any head injury is a horrendous injury. You don't know what you've lost until you come out of it. So you can't. How old were you when the, when the accident happened? 22. Okay, so you were... I'm 49 kid. now. Right. I've lived most of my life disabled. So when you say disabled, explain what disabled is for you. For me, is, um, <clears throat> I've had the uh, traumatic brain injury. I let people know that um, in addition to just not knowing what cognitive damage there will probably will be, not knowing what there is, we get tired easily. Mm. Um I try and give them some guidelines. Like they can't, they being the person who's injured, because I did this, is I can't evaluate myself by my standards before I was injured. Right, which we have a tendency to do. Yes. Because you remember the, 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 the old Jimmy, so now you're the new Jimmy, and you're 26 years new Jimmy. Right. Right. <laughs> right. <laughs> um, I, I tell people uh, all the time that, Ten people could have a head injury, the same injury, and you could have ten different results. Yes. And it's that's hard for people to understand, but everybody reacts differently and has a different injury. So other than the cognitive, what, what else do you... Well, the things are, um, I used to be able to remember anything, just anything, if I read it once. Now it's, it's but that that's another one of the things that across the board is, um, it, it's hard to learn new things. I mean, even even if it's very interesting, it's still difficult. Do you still feel? Do you still get tired? Still? Yes. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. 
I know it took me about, I think it was three years before I could stay up until 11 p.m. Mm. But otherwise, it was by 9 o'clock, I'm dead. I'm <laughs> out of here. I got to go. <laughs> but I mean, it, and that's frustrating because, again, like you said, it's you remember what you were able to do before, and then mm. it, it just completely just throws everything under the bus. One, one thing I like to tell, I, I keep bringing back to the why I tell people at the hospital, because that's where I think about myself the most. Sure, I'm sure you do. And... Um, I'll tell them, I'll, their son, daughter, husband, wife, whoever, you know, I've seen all of them, all the uh, different relations injured. I'll say, you know, that your son or daughter is, um, I was 22 when I was injured. I was drunk when I got injured. We can't use alcohol safely or any, any other drugs ever. And um, I, I said, I don't know them. I don't know what their habits are. However, our society, the, you know, the societal pressures, you know, oh, you 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 had a hard day at work. Come home and have a drink. Things like that. Right. We can't do that. Right. We can't. And that there's not there's nothing wrong with that. There's nothing wrong with not drinking. I know that. No, it's, there isn't. I think. Um, so you you said you were in a coma for two months, and then you went to Amityville, and you were there for how long for rehab? Two months. Two months. Mm -hmm. Okay. So you had to learn how to redo everything. That do you have any kids? No. Okay. Because I remember thinking. Wow, <laughs> I went through this with my kids. I have to learn how to swallow again. I have mm -hmm. to learn how to walk again. And um, yeah, just the simple tasks that you, like you said, take for granted. We all right. take for granted. So when you volunteer there, you're not actually speaking to the patient because the patient is not right. cognitively there, correct? Correct. So how do the family members react to your story? I have to, um, well, a lot of times they don't want to see me. If um, okay. sometimes the the, their person will have just been injured two days before, three days before, and um, they're in, they may have gotten the, they may have gotten notice that their person has, I'm, I'm sorry, I just keep saying their person, but. Whoever it is, right, right. whoever it is. They may have gotten notice that they have 26 minutes to live, and they don't want me to come in and say, isn't 26 years great? So I, or I don't want to, so I, right. I have a, I always, always, like today when I went to work, I have um, a nurse go in and ask me if they want to talk to me. She said, we have a volunteer here. At the time, I was, at first I was 24 years um, post-traumatic brain injury. I have them go in and say, now it's 26. Say, we have a volunteer who's uh, 26 years uh, post-traumatic brain injury. Do you want to talk to him? And um, I've had people say, um, like, like when, you know, if they're a person their relation has just been in a day or two or three, and they'll say no. And, um, and they're probably in shock themselves, too. Yes, that, that's why I have the nurse go in first. Because um, once, actually, I followed the nurse in, and um, as the nurse was talking to the, the mother, she said, I don't want to talk to him. Get out of here. And then, I mean, I don't take it personally, because then also then when, the, when their person does better, and I, they do, and again, every time I have a nurse go in, because then they'll say, yes, I wish I'd known you were here earlier, and I can't, you know. Right, you can't ever, you just I, can't predict. No. So how do the, um, the ones that you actually get to speak to, are they really listening to what you have to say? Are they, are they hopeful? Yes. So it, it, does it make a difference for them? Yes, yes. I've had a lot of, I've had many people, many people say, I'm glad to see you here. You know, you're 26 years later because I'll say, 
your relation. I was just like them. I was. Yeah. And um, again, I, I don't remember what anything that happened was in the coma. Anything I tell you what I did in a coma was told to me after. Sure. Yeah, because you don't remember. I didn't know people moved in a coma. I was told I did. Just things like that. And um, I was sitting, sitting next to the bed to the person who's been injured. And if the injured person is, um, I'm not sure in the correct medical term, semi-coma, coming in and out of. Okay. And, that they're um, not going to probably remember anything anyway. Right. That, right. That's why I talk to the family. Right. Because I, I tell the family, I, I, well, uh, today I told them, I said, I'm here for him. I'm here for him. If you learn anything, I hope it just makes his life easier. Because I've been told by people who weren't told this by the hospital, but they were in the hospital, and they said, we know that after a year, that's where they're going to be for the rest of their life. And I said, hey, and I just right. point to myself, and I say, right. I don't behave like a person just out of a coma. Or, you know, I, I mean, I drive myself here, I tell them. I live on my own, which I do. I prepare my own meals, which I do. I go shopping for myself, which I do. I drive myself to work. I'm here. I'm talking. You can understand what I'm saying. I'm speaking in linear thought, you know, and just, I, right. you know, all these things. I couldn't do that. A no, year after. no, not, no. And I think most people probably don't realize that when someone has an injury like that, it's just as detrimental to the family as it is to the person yes. who's injured. And the amount of courage that it takes to be emotionally and loving support to that person, whoever that loved one is, really means a lot to the one who's injured. Mm -hmm. But it's a very daunting task to all of a sudden have to take care of somebody who may not be able to take care of himself. One other thing is, um, for anyone who um, knows someone has a traumatic brain injury, all of us wear our heart on our sleeve immediately afterwards. When we come out, like um, I give as an example, say, you're eating dinner and they asked, we pass me the milk. If you spill it on the table, that's nothing. But it might outrage them or drive, <laughs> them, or drive them to tears. Right, right. You know, just, yeah, you don't know how they're going to react. Right. That's true. Emotional Emotions mm -hmm. are out of balance. So any of the people that you visited in at Medical City, do you ever get to talk to the injured person? Does that ever happen? Yes. It does. It's great. Okay. It's fabulous. Okay. When... Um, they're moved to a different floor. I go to five different um, nursing stations, neuro PCU, neuro ICU, critical care unit, the burn unit, and the trauma unit. And I've talked to families at the trauma unit, and then when their um, their patient, their, the relative, the injured person, is moved sometimes to um, one of the other floors, I'll get a chance to talk to the person you know, I'll, of course, let the family know again, I'm here for them. You know, and, uh, <laughs> I'll switch between the two as the person, the uh, injured person, if they're awake, I'll be talking to them, they, they fall asleep, right. and I turn back to the parent, and I'll talk to them, and then they wake up, and I'll start talking. <laughs> right, so you've gotten pretty good at that, I'm assuming. <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, it, it is, it's easier. To, it, you're right, it is easier as you do it. No, I'm sure, and you've been doing it for two years. Yes. So ha have you... Um, any of the people that you've seen, have any of them gone to bind? Most of the patients haven't. They go mostly because um, bind is not actually, isn't, affi isn't affiliated with Medical City Plano. Okay. So at the nurse station, I put up bind folders. Okay. But they can't say anything about it. But I tell the people about it because bind's fabulous. That's where I met you. 
And also another thing is um, it's difficult for us to express ourselves after a head injury. That's why we, I mean, we were both talking about wearing a heart on our sleeve. It can get very aggravating to not be able to express yourself. That's where you come in 100% in my life. And I was saying that as I was telling Michael before he came in, I said, she's a resource for me. She's a resource because you help me to express my feelings and such like that instead of having them jammed up inside of you. And then we, well, I mean, I'm 26 years post and going through copious amounts of uh, therapy. So it's easier, but it's, it's not easy. It's easier, not easy to express emotions and such and and, um, instead of just bottling them up like because a lot of people you'll see them they'll be starting to say something and they'll just be quiet because they they don't have the ability to they can't but you help us out with that tremendously and so i know you through bind thank you oh well you know um i don't know if i've mentioned this before but i've known bind for probably four years maybe five years and they did not exist when i had my accident Mm -hmm. because they've been in about five years. Six, five years, right? Years. Okay, so my accident's almost... It will be 10 years this February. Okay, seven so years. Bind did not exist then. But um, I really love volunteering there. And it's only been about... I don't think it's a year yet. Like, hmm. it'll be a year in the spring. But I, I really wanted to be able to help in mm-hmm. some way. And Valerie, who's the, um, the head person there at Bind, she said, why don't you come on in? And she introduced me to a few people... And I just love these people. I can't, because uh, I can resonate with what it is that they're going through because I've been there and I'm still there. We're all still there. Every day we're there. Mm-hmm. We're, we're better every day, but we're still there. And Valerie had asked me if I would want to do a writing workshop with the members. And I thought, wow, mm-hmm. how cool is that? And it's been, what, every other week I go there. And the best part about it, people want to be able to tell their story. Like Jimmy was saying, is that sometimes it gets all bottled up and you you just want to let it out. It's an outlet. So I don't think you've actually written anything, but you're very verbal. Mm. And you're not the only one. There's a couple of others that haven't really written anything, but they'll speak freely about it. And it's just such a good outlet for them to be able to talk. And the writing workshop's been amazing for me, and I think it's been amazing for everyone else too. So is your help, you helping Medical City volunteering there? Is that your way of giving back? Part of it. Yeah. It's, it's best job I ever had. It's high, all right. Anything, anything I do with traumatic brain injury is rehabilitation. It's best job I ever had. Absolute best. And um, I get to I get the opportunity on Fridays to be at Bind, 8.30 in the morning. I'm there at 8, but 8.30 until uh, 3. And then um, the, it's um, I get the opportunity to show people uh, bind, and um, when people come in, I can uh, tell my story then. And um, we have tremendous support from Billy O'Brien at Medical Sleep Plano. She, I, when I was going there the first time, things I learned in recovery, just because I've been 26 years now in recovery, I know that the only thing I can control is my attitude. So I'm asked that you know, how are things going, or how are you doing? How can my day be any better? I'm at Bind. Or yeah. I'm at Medical Sleep Plano. How, how can my day possibly be better? And then um, also telling people 
they're going to be in recovery for the rest of though no i can't tell them recovery because there's all sorts of negative stuff in our yeah, society sure. it's like a stigma attached to it so i say your your husband wife your relative will always be recovering mm. from the traumatic brain injury that's why and today i told him your son will always be recovering from his traumatic brain injury i'm recovering still i'm just 26 years along that's why i have this job is because i'm recovering right and it keeps me current with remembering everything as it was and that's where you come in too Donna thank you no I, I I think resources are fantastic and what I like about bind is that it's a support network you know and everybody feels comfortable there it's a it's a happy place to be because you're emotionally supported and if I happen to just go in there I think I went in the other day for uh, Jenny mm -hmm. she her grandma was just turned 97 and she wanted to give her my book, Headstrong, Surviving a Traumatic Brain Injury Without Losing Your Mind. Mm -hmm. And I went in to sign it. And you guys were all watching a movie. And it's just really cool just to see the camaraderie in there. And everybody works together. It's just teamwork. It's just a very cool place to be. One thing, um, one, one thing I also have seen, because I keep bringing up I'm 26 years post-recovery, and I've been on a lot of support groups. I tell people, I say, I tell them exactly this. This doesn't have to happen because nothing's 100% with people. However, I don't know anybody in 26 years who has the same friends that mm, they had from the day true. that they were injured. That's so very true. I don't have contact with anyone. They'll, everyone rallies around you, but... Right, you know, who, who stays and who leaves, right? Everyone, so true. Nobody. Nobody. I mean, Savannah, Georgia, Atlanta, Georgia, Dallas, Texas, upper state New York. I've never known anyone who's had the same friends. Everything changes when you when you have an injury. Um, how your family reacts, how your friends react. You don't really know how people are going to react. You kind of find out as you go along, and some of that's kind of hurtful. Yeah. It is. I tell them also. I say it doesn't have to happen. However, if it happens to your, I'll say I'll just say son, your son. Just let them know that that's not uncommon. However, it's being recovering. Become part of support groups, bind other support groups. I'm a member of, I was a member of seven support groups. I mean, some of them were tumor support, which I didn't have a tumor and they right. didn't have a traumatic brain injury, so I'm not part of that. But all of my friends are in recovery, or sorry, are recovering from a, tumor, right. from a brain injury. All of them. Do you just focus on what you're able to do today instead of what you used to be able to do? Yes. Okay. But it took, how long did it take to do that? <laughs> Yeah, it's still going on. Yeah. It's still yeah. going on. Cause yeah. I, Acceptance is a big part of I got hit it, by uh, a car a second time because I'm sorry for interrupting No, you. no, you're fine. I was trying. I used, I had, Within a month before the first time I hit by a car, I ran three miles in 17 minutes and 10 seconds. And as you had brought up the old gym, that's, and I was saying, you can't, I can't evaluate myself now, but I'm right. understanding. I was trying to run again. And um, when I was coming back from my morning trot, I got hit by a car a second time, crossing okay. the street. So, and that devastated me because I was thinking, now, I, well, of course, my leg was shattered in 33 places. Between that the second time? Yeah, between okay. the knee and the ankle. And how long ago was that? That was in 1995, August 2nd, 1995. Okay. So almost three years after the first time. And um, I was devastated. And then... That was just me being stuck in thinking that the only cardiovascular exercise I could do 
was running when there's biking, swimming. You know. I was just going to mention that. So what have you done instead, in, instead of running? I start, well, to lose the 220 pounds I put on when I was <laughs> five months and laid up, I um, started bike riding. Okay. Then I would swim also when I get, get in the pool, things like that. Right, so you found something else to do instead yeah. of what you used to be able to do that you were so good at. Right, and yeah. it's still, it's just as fun. And um, you can always find the same camaraderie. And um, it's like how you were saying about buying, I can always find other people. There are people there who do things as well. Right. And so you can't be part recovering. You're, I'm, I'm no, always, recovering. always recovering. That's true. Right. I know I always think of myself as always recovering too, and I'm pretty much 10 years out. I've had to come to the acceptance point too, mm-hmm. and it's not that easy. Mm-hmm. Accepting's really tough. But I think that thing about the members at Bind, the people that I've come in contact with are determined. Yes. They never want to give up and they'll do something else instead, focus on something else instead, instead of uh, grieving over what they lost. Because, you know, grief can take however long it takes. It took me five five solid years to grieve the loss of tennis, of not being able to play. Five years. I used to love that too. Yeah. Tennis, swimming, running, everything. Yeah, every once in a while I'll get a little twinge of, uh, I sit on the board for my community, the HOA board, and Mm -hmm. we have our board meetings at the Addison Athletic Center. So they have um, racquetball courts in there. Mm -hmm. And every once in a while when I go up the stairs and I see people playing, I get that twinge. I'm like, oh, I wish I could play. (laughs) Just because I was so good at anything with a ball and a racket. You know, so every once in a while I still get that little bit of, you know, and I have to kind of push it out of my head and think about what are you good at instead, instead of I wish I could do that still. One uh, one thing that I um, have to watch out for is I know that every picture of me while I was in a coma, my mother was in it. And then because someone's close to you, it's easy to, if you're feeling bad to say something to them or... Oh, something kind of mean or snotty or something. I always have to remember that, uh, I mean, I know that uh, she's part of my recovery also. Sure. And um, you are part of my recovery. People look over shortcomings I have, so I can't expect other people to not have shortcomings. That's true. That's the only thing. And uh, so I don't complain about a lot. No, you really don't. Um, You really don't complain about a lot. And 26 years out is a long time. And I think you're doing freaking fantastic. So do you, you're a member of Bind. Do you actually work there too? Do you volunteer too? Or you on just Fridays. Kind of, on Fridays, okay. That's my day. Okay, so um, what do you do? I get the opportunity to, um, well, first I'm in recovery of Bind. That's the, that's okay. a, privilege, a privilege, not a right. Okay, <laughs> true. And um, I get the opportunity, I got the opportunity to meet you. I get the opportunity to answer the phone. I get the opportunity to, um, show people BIND, because BIND, as we know, BIND is a model for brain injury um, clubhouses in Texas. I've talked to people in um, coming from Dallas, and then um, I'm from Georgia. I moved here from Georgia, so the distances in Texas are phenomenal. Right, yeah. <laughs> it's, I mean, driving across the state in Georgia is six hours. Right. Six hours at some of the closest towns. <laughs> but um, so I'll have people come from different, like two hours north of Dallas, 
who have gone through the um, occupational therapy, physical therapy, um, ambulation therapy, and they've got the different therapies, the speech therapy, and then they've been let free from their hospital and they don't have anything to do. Right, that's true. That's no, it's very true. They come down to bind to find out how they can replicate mm-hmm. bind to um, be a model for other brain injury clubhouses. I look at them as a model. Yeah. Yeah. So you have people come in from all over, yes. and do they actually move to Dallas or somewhere near Dallas that they're able to get there? I'm not sure. I had mm. I've had people come from Houston even. Right. I've had people, and um, it was. Um, the only one that the family trusted to come and um, talk to Bind from Houston, they came to us and um, wanted to find out if uh, Bind had. They even would ask, if, or at Medical State Plano also will ask, does Bind have a uh, location in Houston? And I say, not yet. Right. So you think Bind will continue to grow? Yes. Yeah, that's I'm, good. That's fantastic. So. You've seen the you've seen the numbers increase. Yes, numbers. I have. Yes, in fact, when, when I first started visiting Bind, they were in their other location, and they've, what, tripled the space since then? Yes. Right, okay, because there used to be a waiting list for members to get in yes. because they didn't have the space, they didn't have the number of volunteers they needed to be able to have more people. But now they, I don't think there is a waiting list. No. The turnaround time is a day or two. Right. That's pretty good. It's very good. Yeah, it's pretty excellent. The only thing, um, if anyone uh, who's listening to this uh, is thinking of having someone come, you have to be, uh, someone apply for membership, you have to be fully um, capable to get there on your own, whether it's by DART or a taxi or driving yourself. Right, so there's no transportation. There's no transportation. And also you have to be able to take care of yourself, feed yourself, and uh, take care of any um, using the restroom. Got it, okay. On your own. You have to be able to do that on your own. Okay. Fair yeah. enough. So I'm just, I'm, tr- I'm trying to think on um, the ones that will apply to everybody. Because there's, I, I meet fabulous people in recovery, mm. always. That's not the truth. It's, it is so true. It is. What message do you want to send everybody else out there? Anyone who's listening who might know someone who has a an injury? Anything you want to do, you can do. Everything's... There are things tailored to us. I was on the Paralympic fencing team, U.S. Paralympic. I was asked to be on it. It's very humbling to lose to a quadriplegic. (laughs) 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 Yeah, okay. And um, then uh, those of us, though, we don't live long, unfortunately. People have had a traumatic brain injury. We don't, I mean, that's just the numbers, unfortunately. Okay. Uh, And um, I I try to say that because there's a lot of people, like my mother hates to hear that. And, um, well, I don't think I like it either, so I'm going to pretend you didn't say it. No, I'm okay. kidding. <laughs> no, 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 I, I, I no, get it. I, I understand that. But um, I was uh, doing fencing for um, competing with swords, and um, then um, I was in a large tournament in Atlanta, Georgia, 1,600 people in it. In my category, there were 111, which was 28 to 32, using a certain type of sword, being male, there were 111. And after, and the way they fence the tournaments, they put you against five other people. So six of you, you compete. They do all the scores. And that, it was a Division Two tournament. I was a Division Three fencer, two being better than three. And after um, the first round, after everyone goes against their uh, the six people, or all six compete, 
they do all the scores. I have 111, I was ranked at 109. And um, what they do in fence tournaments, they take someone from the beginning, which was number 19, and putting in someone at the end, which was me at 109. And um, you do sudden death, which is um, you go to either end of the pest, P-I-S-T-E, and uh, which is a strip, and then L-A, go. We go and um, compete, and um, it's whoever gets the 15 touches first. Well, 16 touches. And um, I was, my coach told me, you know, this guy's number 19. He's really good. If you really try hard, you might get a touch. And all I thought was, well, if I'm already dead, I might as well attack. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, <Yeah>. Marine. So. <laughs> okay. <laughs> and so I did. Okay. I, and um, we were told to go L.A. And I walked down the pist, and the fellow just stood there, and I tagged him. Tag, and then point in this, me. Point in this. And this happened, and we went to our, I went back to my end, and this happened four times in a row. He just stood there, and I was thinking, was there a mistake? Am I against number 111? <laughs> and, um, but then he realized, all of a sudden he realized what happened. And he, I mean, he competed, and he, he beat me 16 to 7. But the coach for the U.S. Paralympic team was there, and he saw me. And he came up to me, and he said, he said to me, I see the way you're walking. He was, I told you, 99% of my family are farmers in Switzerland. So this coach was from Czechoslovakia. I was just saying, because I couldn't understand what he was saying, but I don't, I don't care if someone can speak English or not. Most of my family can't. But he was saying, I see the way you're walking. You know, are you disabled? And I got resentful. I'm like, yeah, so what? He goes, let's face it, standing up, you can never be great. But sitting down, you'll be magnificent. And I realized that all, all disabled fencers compete in a locked-down wheelchair. Okay. And um, that's how I lost to quadriplegics. Because um, I was uh, at one um, disabled tournament. I was in three. And um, one fellow who was pretty well-known, I mean, he, he competed in Italy, France, and you know, all over the world disabled. And he said, that guy over there is a um, quadriplegic. Also, he pointed to him with his arm, and I said, I thought he was talking about me, I said, I'm just in the wheelchair because I have to be, so I stood up, he said, no, I'm talking about me, I said, well, you're moving your hand, he said, your arm, and he said, well, I can't grab anything, Okay. so he considered his arm, he said, so my arm's useless, so he had strips of Velcro at the end of his fingers, oh, to no way. Velcro his fingers around his sword, so that, again, I said all that to prove that anything you want to do. Yeah, that's, that's actually a really good story, I'm glad you shared that. So you wound up competing, and you did, and you did pretty good. So yes. you found, so life is not over. It just changed, Change. but it's not over. Exactly. Yeah, that's pretty cool. That's a good way to put it. Yeah, I'm glad. I'm glad you. I'm glad you said that. That's because I didn't know that. That's a story about you. I didn't know. Mm. That's cool. Thanks, uh, the um, the distance, if I could describe it real quick, is I the person with the longer arm, which was usually me, would hold their sword arm up at a 90 degree angle and the person with the short arm would hold their arm their short arm out straight and the the tip being about an inch past your elbow okay at 90 degree angle that's the distance you're locked down at so it's quick okay it's got very it very close okay and um i think that i think that's about as accurate as i can be with uh, no that's pr that's that's pretty good no i like i like that i didn't know that story that's a good story okay well I hope that everyone enjoyed that because my feeling about doing this podcast once a month from the heart is that we, I don't know about the rest of you, but I watch the news 
every night. I read it several times a day, and it's just oh so joyful. I want to know what's going on in the world, even if it's crappy. This is a feel-good story, and I think everyone needs feel-good stories because they feel good. They make you feel good. They make you feel like there's something else out there other than politics and religion and people shooting each other. I just want, I like the feel good. I like the warm fuzzies and I hope everyone else enjoyed the warm fuzzies because uh, next month I'm going to do another one and I don't know who I'm going to do it with just yet, but um, I hope everyone enjoyed this one because I definitely enjoyed it. I do have my Kick It With Donna website where I have two books for sale. If you're a book reader, uh, if you're not, they're also on audio. There's Headstrong, Surviving a Traumatic Brain Injury Without Losing My Mind. And the second one is called Heartstrong, Overcome Obstacles and Live Life to the Fullest. And if you're a podcast listener, you can also listen on Google Play, TuneIn, Stitcher, and iTunes. I hope everyone enjoyed this today because I sure had a good time. Thank you, Jimmy, for joining me on this. Thank you, Don. Thank you. Okay. Tremendous opportunity. Thank you. All right. Thank you, folks. Thanks for joining me. Have a good one.